Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode two of the Husker Big Red podcast with Chris Peterson and Danny Gillette as we break down the Huskers 2022 season, offer some bold predictions, talk recruiting, and much more. Welcome, Nebraska fans, episode two of the Husker Big Red podcast. I'm Chris Peterson of HuskerBigRed.com, and joining me every for every episode here is going to be co-host uh, Danny Gillette. Take it away here, Danny. Hey, Chris. Good to be with you on this fine morning, and good to be with you in the midst of fall camp. Um, you know, it's getting closer to that time. We're less than a month away from Dublin and you know, football is in the air again. Pro college, it's a good time of year. And um, so the reason why or one of the reasons why we are kind of starting off a little bit without a topic is that we really wanted to kind of introduce ourselves first. And I guess I'll start off. Um, my name is Danny. I am I am the great Cornholio on Twitter. Some other user gave me that name i was thinking about starting a nebraska fan account two years ago and some other twitter user gave me that name idea so i thought i'd go with it um i used to work at fan sided with chris uh we had a lot of good times there he's an excellent guy to work for and then once the um pandemic hit and things got a little crazy i was let go um, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to start my own Husker website and here I am. And, um, you can follow my website at, hold on, let me check the address, greatcornholio.org. I couldn't get a .com or whatever. I had to get a .org, but I just write my thoughts on there. And, um, it's great to have a Nebraska, it's great to have a Nebraska platform and also, I'd just like to say quickly, thank you for the engagement on both our accounts. I know Chris's uh, Twitter handle has blown up over the past couple of days. And thank you for making this all worthwhile, because maybe we can turn this into something even bigger. Yeah, we, uh, you know, back at the Husker Corner fan side, that's where we kind of got our start and uh, kind of got away from that. But uh, yeah, now I've just launched uh, huskerbigred.com. Um, we just launched here in the past couple of days, and uh, Danny and I are going to be doing the Husker Big Red podcast here. A few more, we got a few more content ideas as well coming down the road. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting time to be a Nebraska fan. So if you haven't checked out, you know, huskerbigred.com or the great cornholio.org, uh, definitely do that, you know, for unfiltered, strong opinion and analysis, you know, in Nebraska football. Um, we really focus on, you know, the news that you need to know and um, kind of analyzing that too. You know, it's not mm. just what is this news, but we're going to tell you, you know, what it means and kind of, you know, save you some time on that end as well. So I guess let's, let's get into it. You know, uh, the Huskers have been, you know, working in fall camp this past week. We got some images, you know, with a bit of an open practice. So what mm -hmm. have your takeaways been? What do you think we've learned so far, Danny? I think we've learned that we have a very deep wide receiver room because there are some names and photos that I've seen in pictures. I'm like, oh yeah, he committed. Oh yeah, we have that guy now. And so it's just crazy how deep this wide receiver room is and how, you know, Mickey Joseph has kind of put his own stamp on the room. You know, he is a very 
disciplined coach. He expects guys to work hard. He expects guys to put in effort. So I kind of am really starting to see the identity of the wide receiver room take shape, and it is completely different than what we have seen over the last couple of seasons. And honestly, that's why Mickey Joseph was brought in here. He's a no-nonsense guy with a good track record of getting people to the NFL and, you know, and the pros. So, you know, I'm really encouraged by what we're seeing from the wide receiver room. And it's, you know, this should be a good opportunity for Casey Thompson and quarterbacks of the future to really have a lot of things to work with. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm really excited about the receiver room and and really from kind of top to bottom. I think it's, you know, depth is not going to be an issue for the Huskers at receiver this year. You know, Omar Manning, you know, playing really well at camp. Elante Brown, you know, I've kind of been waiting for him to break out and, you know, I've seen some encouraging things from him. And then you've got a lot of guys that I, I think are pretty proven, you know, that they've produced at, you know, Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington's produced, um, you know, we've seen Oliver Martin do some things. So, you know, those guys, we know what they can do. And, um, and that doesn't, and going beyond that, you know, Nebraska has some other talented, um, you know, the transfers, the kid from New Mexico state, you know, has looked, you know, really solid so far on camp. I think he's going to produce more than people think. And yeah, so I, I think that this passing game, you know, is going to take a, a real step forward, especially, you know, if the quarterbacks, you know, can kind of produce and, um, you know, I, not that we got to see a lot, but, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the, the arm strength of, um, like Torres and just kind of the improvement, I think, in the passing game. How, how important do you think that is for this offense, you know, having the quarterbacks, you know, step up to the plate? I think it's huge because you're just talking about the situation alone. Nebraska needs to win this year and they need strong quarterback play. Um, you know, Casey Thompson really needs to step up and be that leader and be the guy that can win football games. You know, we've seen his highlights of Texas and, you know, there are, there were some questions as to whether or not, you know, sometimes he had shaky starts or whatever, but regardless, he needs to step up and, you know, play at a high level and it starts in camp. And um, I'm curious to see, you know, how he progresses throughout because the opening game is only what three weeks away uh, and you know it's going to be crucial for him to get off to a good start because there's no margin for error this year yeah and I'm interested to see you know what on that topic the you know the opener yeah it's a little over three weeks away um, so I'm curious when you know Scott Frost is going to name a starting quarterback I feel like it's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, it just doesn't seem like, you know, Chippa Purdy's ready to kind of push for that job yet. I think he's still kind of, you know, getting back. He's healthy, but it, there's a difference in, you know, starting practice and just getting healthy and kind of coming in there, you know, full bore. I don't see, you know, Smothers or the other guys kind of pushing for the job. So I do you, you know, do you see anybody pushing Casey or do you think that he's like for sure going to start week one? Or week I think, zero, I guess. Yeah. No, I think he's for sure going to start week one. He wouldn't have come here if he, you know, I don't think he would have come here if he wasn't, you know, a guaranteed starter. Um, I like Purdy and I like Smothers. I think Purdy is going to take over once uh, Thompson leaves. But right now I think it's Thompson's show. I mean, you know, he hasn't named a starter yet, but I think it's, more so to be fair to the other quarterbacks, just so, 
you know, it doesn't seem so obvious and they're still quote unquote playing for something or the starting job. But I think, you know, it, it's clear that Thompson is going to be the starter. And, you know, I think Frost is just not naming a starter out of respect to the other quarterbacks. Do you, one thing I've thought about, you know, I talked about this in, you know, one of my blogs the other day is, uh, you know, while this offense, I feel like there is a lot of talent, I'm, you know, kind of wondering how it's all going to mesh together. Like you said, there's not margin for error. Nebraska can't afford a slow start. You've got a new quarterback. I mean, maybe a new starting running back, you know, multiple probably new starters at receiver. How do you see all of that kind of, you know, meshing together? And, and how important is that for Mark Whipple to, you know, get everything flowing early on in the season? I think it's very important. Um, you know, we need to have a balanced team. It can't just be. Casey Thompson throwing passes 60 times a game. And, you know, to that point, I think that's where having a coach like Brian Applewhite, you know, is really going to come in handy. On Monday, he was really stressing the fundamentals to the running backs of getting past that first level of the defense and, you know, getting beyond the second level and getting extra yards. So I think it's, I think, you know, there's different fundamentals offensively that Nebraska is working on. And I think it's going to be really important for Whipple to kind of get everybody involved, you know, have a balanced offense. Because I know when he was hired, there were questions as to, you know, can he run the football effectively? Because he didn't run a ton at Pittsburgh. I think you have no choice in the Big Ten. I mean, you look at what Josh Gaddis did last year with Michigan, and he had two very capable running backs in 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 Hassan Haskins and I forget the other one's name right now you know Chris but Blake Corum <laughs> Blake Corum there we go so Haskins and Corum kind of were the one-two punch and that took pressure off of Cade McNamara I think you know it would be smart for Nebraska to kind of follow the run and then pass game plan because it takes pressure off Thompson you know, it takes some pressure off the offensive line and, you know, balance is going to be extremely important. So, you know, I think it's very important that Whipple kind of calls a balanced game and, you know, stresses balance within the offense. Yeah, I think Nebraska needs to be better at complementary football. There was too many times last year, you know, the defense would get off the field and they would be trailing and, uh, you know, they would just go out there and throw three quick passes, you know, and, and it was like the defense got literally no break. You know, it's like you don't always have to go tempo. You don't always have to go out there and, you know, throw a bomb down the field. I just the, the play calling was really predictable and it, it felt like they would abandon the running game too early, you know, and that's not helping your quarterback especially one who's not accurate, you know, like Adrian. I mean, Adrian Martinez, his completion percentage, you know, is like in the 60s, but how many passes were bubble screens? You know what I mean? Like how many times did he really throw the football down the field and was accurate with it? Don't remind me. (laughs) Don't remind me. (laughs) Yeah. So I just think they've got to – so I hope that there's some thought about that. You know, hey, our defense was just out on the field for 10 minutes. You know, let's try to give them – let's try to get a first down, you know, and just – so I'm hoping that, you know, Whipple will be able to, you know, just call games better. I just don't think that, you know, the games were called that well last year. And I'm hoping there's a little bit more red zone efficiency. Um, over the last couple of years, Nebraska's really struggled inside the red zone. And I'm hoping there's more, you know, running the ball in the red zone. Yes, the defense may stack the box, but 
if you you know fall forward, you're going to get two yards. So uh, I'm hoping there's more efficiency in the red zone. I'm curious to see what Nebraska does there because that's you know the red zone is an area where they've really struggled over the past couple of seasons, and that's ultimately one of the major things that can either make or break a game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're going to succeed in the red zone, you got you have to be able to run the football and mm-hmm. with more than just your quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the only time Nebraska had success in the red zone was mostly, you know, Martinez just running in after plays broke down or they kind of mm-hmm. would lead run him up the middle. And uh, so, you know, I think that they do have to do that. And looking at the running back room, I actually feel pretty good about it. You know, if Anthony Grant um, can be who we think he is, I mean, he was from Buford High School in Georgia, which is a powerhouse program. You know, Georgia offered him. He started off at Florida State. Like, he had big-time offers in high school, um, kind of like the transfer um, from a couple of years ago. I'm blanking on the name. but um, Gabe Urban? So he, yeah, not Gabe Urban. Um, uh, the guy from Georgia Tech. Oh. Oh, uh, Diedrich Mills. Yeah, yep, Diedrich. Yeah, I think that uh, – you know, he can be a lot like Dedrick Mills. He's got a lot of talent, and it wouldn't surprise me if he, you know, I think him and, and Mahir Johnson are basically going to be, you know, 1A and 1B, you know, for the starting lineup that kind of both bring a little bit of different, um, you know, skill sets to the position. But who do you see kind of, you know, leading that running back room? Anthony Grant, I mean, you look at what he did during the spring game, and yes, I know, it's a spring game, no tackles, blah, blah, blah. But just the way he explodes as soon as he gets the football and the way he's able to, hit the hole immediately and find extra yards. There's no dancing at the line of scrimmage. There's no, you know, pretty toe taps through the hole. It's just, it's just get the ball and then bang, he's off. So I think that kind of goes in line with what Apple White was stressing about on Monday with the backs getting to the second level. Once you get past the first level, then the second level is oftentimes a tired linebacker, you know, who is not going to, let's be real, not going to want to, chase after you or is not going to outrun you. So I'm interested to see what Grant does. I was really impressed by him during the spring game. And, you know, I think he's really going to be a good player. One of the overlooked, I feel, additions of this offseason. And, you know, I feel really confident about where this running back room is headed. I wasn't necessarily that confident last year, but I've been really impressed with the job of Applewhite. Yeah, and Apple White too. You know, he talked about uh, he was, you know, think he was still at TCU, and he said, you know, uh, they're looking at Grant for TCU, and this, and when he got to Nebraska, he said, this is the guy that we thought he was. You know, so that I thought was really encouraging, and uh, I like Mayor Johnson though, and I think uh, you know he was underutilized last year. I mean, he had you know looking back at his stats, he had I think five games with over 60 yards rushing. They just never stuck with the run. And I don't think he's a guy that you want to give the ball to 20 times a game, but I'd love to see him catch the ball five times and run it 10 times. You know, I'd love to see him get about 15 touches a game because I think if you do that, there's a good chance he's going to get you 90 to 100 yards almost every single game. I don't know that there's many linebackers in the Big Ten that are going to be able to cover that guy. We have a lot of... You know, big rumbling running backs. Johnson is more of a speed back. And, you know, you saw a little bit of what he could do in terms of catching the football in the passing game. He really is a dynamic playmaker. And I know we talked about, you know, Grant and all the new additions to the running back room. But Johnson is definitely a guy that should not be forgotten about. Um, You know, it wasn't his fault that he was underutilized last season. I mean, he really does play at a high level. 
you know, and I'm interested to see where he falls in this equation because I really think he could be productive, especially in certain packages or in certain situations. I mean, with his speed, he's even a guy that I wouldn't mind as a receiving back in the red zone, you know, just, just get him the ball, get him in space and let him go to work because there's not many linebackers that are going to be able to tackle him one-on-one in open space. Yeah. I just think back to that Michigan game and he had almost like 160 or 70 yards of total offense. Like that's, we need to, we need to make that happen more. Yeah. And we need to make sure that, you know, again, we talked about it just a little bit ago. If you can get in a tempo offensively, even with short, quick plays, move the chains, give the defense some rest, you know, have that balance, give the defense some rest while making big plays. You're, you know, you're, you have multiple positives on the field when you do that. And Johnson can certainly be that guy. He's a type of guy that can extend drives and keep drives going. And, you know, that's going to be my, probably my biggest thing this year. Just keep, keep drives going, keep the chains moving and, Give the defense some rest. Yeah, because I think the defense is going to be legitimate. I think it's going to be just as good as last year, frankly, and that, that's my opinion. Um, you know, I, I know they lost some really good players up front and, you know, in the secondary, but um, both, you know, I like the transfer portal additions, and I think there are some younger guys in the secondary, but, again, there's a lot of talent, and I think there's a lot of depth there. So, you know, I feel good about the defense, um, you know, going into this season for sure. Um, what what are your thoughts on the defense, you know, especially after this first kind of week of fall camp? I really like where the defense stands. Um, I'll tell you something. I was not a big fan of Shenander at all until last season when I really started to see kind of his vision. And now I trust in what he wants to do. Um, you know, he talked on Friday where there's certain situations where we could see a trio of Caleb Tanner, I believe it was um, Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis on the field at the same time. Yes, give me that all day, all the time. You know, that's that's a scary three-headed monster there, and I'm excited to see what the defense can do. I mean, I think you're starting to see Shenander kind of get his feet under him defensively. I thought he did well last season, all things considered, and. I'm excited to see what he can do with these new additions because you kind of mentioned it uh, last week, Chris, where the transfer portal, you know, that might be the new form of recruiting, so to speak. I mean, you have college and ready-made players available at your disposal and, you know, does it suck for high school recruiting? Yeah, but I think, you know, Frost saw what Michigan State was able to do last season. And I think that got a bug in his ear. Like, yeah, maybe we need to catch up with the times. So if they can continue to get solid defensive players in the transfer portal and overall, then I'm good with that. Yeah. I think I've been, I've been a big proponent of that. I think it's something that Nebraska just has to do going forward. Cause you know, look, if you're Ohio state, you know, when you have basically the pick of the litter, you don't need the transfer portal, although they still added, you know, a couple of guys, you know, filling depth and things like that. But for Nebraska, you know, the, the fact is 
you're only going to get so many top 100 kids, no matter how well Nebraska recruits, you know, that's a limited number. And I mean, you could say that for just about, you know, Michigan, Penn State, most teams in the Big Ten, you know, Michigan State even's not getting, you know, Mel Tucker has signed one top 100. He has one top 100 commitment since he's been the head coach at Michigan State. That's it. And he hasn't even signed the kid yet. That's in this class. So, I mean, it makes sense to try to say, hey, there's four stars at Alabama that aren't playing. You know, they could come play at Nebraska. You know, so I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense, especially for like quarterbacks to hit that, you know, transfer portal until Nebraska at least, you know, starts winning more and getting more production, you know, and saying, hey, this is a place for a quarterback. But if you're, you know, a top 100 or top 200 quarterback, why would you come to Nebraska at this point? I mean, they're just, they're, it, there's just not much to sell. But for Casey Thompson, you know, there is because this is a talented team. I don't know if you saw that thing, but um, someone posted on Twitter you know, some of the anonymous things that Big Ten coaches said. And they said, you know, getting off the bus, Nebraska looks like the best team in the Big Ten West. And that's because according to the recruiting rankings, they've had the most talent. But now they just need someone to, you know, have that talent, you know, turn into wins. And I think Casey Thompson's going to help with that. And I think getting those proven players instead of, you know, taking shots in the lower end of your recruiting rankings, you know, guys that are going to be in the 700s or maybe even the thousands, I just think it makes more sense. And I think it would be smart for Nebraska to be, you know, not signing 25 kids. I don't think we're going to see Nebraska doing that anymore. And, you know, let's be real here. The more Nebraska wins, the more NIL money is going to funnel in and the more kids are going to want to play here. It's all about NIL money now. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the places like Miami, where there's a lot of NIL opportunities and you look even in California, where our where our soon to be best friend new additions in USC and UCLA are right now, and there's a lot of money there too. So, you know, winning cures everything. And you know, I know we're beating a dead horse every single season, but if we win on the field, then you know things will come. And you know, this is why I think this year is so important. Yeah, and NIL, I think, is a huge opportunity at Nebraska. You know, we know how passionate this fan base is and how supportive they are. So, and I think Scott Frost, you know, I think Trev Alberts, they both have said that. So I think there's a lot. I think the athletic department and the football program is all on the same page. But, yeah, just got to get things moving in the right direction. Um, so to transition over to recruiting, we'll, we'll have – some predictions and we'll get to our mailbag really quick, but let's touch on the recruiting news of the week, which was Ashley Williams, you know, decommitting over the weekend. And I don't know about you, but that decommitment post, you know, was a little cryptic and kind of made me, you know, it's talked about a lack of communication, but then also talked about, you know, the, the effort of Mickey Joseph. So what, what was your read on that? My read was that Nebraska has, um, another recruit waiting in the wings and that, you know, they maybe said we don't, not that we don't want you, but you know, we have another guy. And my thinking on that was that Nebraska didn't think that they were going to land Williams or have a chance with, with Lenhart. And now that Lenhart is in the picture, they have, quite frankly, a better option to choose from. I'll just call it like I see it. And so it's certainly interesting. You know, I never thought Nebraska would be in a position where they could pick from the litter of good four-star, you know, defensive players, but that's what it is. I mean, I think Nebraska 
you know, probably knows that Cameron Linhart is coming. I think we're all kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, but I, I could see where, you know, communication kind of stalled out on Williams. You know, I, this could be totally off. I don't have any super insider information on this, but my read on that was that maybe Mickey Joseph was recruiting Williams harder than like Eric, um, Scott Frost. I almost said Eric Crouch. But um, that just – so, you know, and Auburn's there, you know, and Brian – you know, if, if Brian Harrison, their head coach, is recruiting you really hard and the program that you're committed to, that head coach really isn't giving you that much attention, it's easy to see why a kid would, you know, would change, would flip his recruitment or, you know, reopen things. And uh, it seemed like to me, yeah, there was, you know, some talk on Twitter that Ashley Williams didn't have a committable offer and, you know, maybe he – you know, committed without, you know, telling the, you know, kind of getting the approval of the staff, you know, that does happen. Sometimes kids put their announcements out there and the staff doesn't give them the go ahead because not every, not every offer is a committable offer, you know, and um, especially when you're looking at different, uh, you know, positions and stuff like that. I would have, I would like to see Nebraska take them both. You know, I don't, to me, I think that, you know, you could find a way to make it all fit, make it all work out. But as long as they get, you know, Cameron Leonard, who has been talked about as, you know, a silent commitment and has had all the crystal balls, everything's pointing towards a Nebraska commitment, but they got to get that locked in within the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, if this, if this goes into September, if this goes beyond the start of his season, you know, then it's totally back up in the air to me. I think they will. I, I think they'll lock Leonard in. Honestly, um, you know, I don't see a situation where, Williams leaves if Lenhart isn't coming. I think he, I think, you know, the staff, the staff, I, I, again, I don't think they expected Williams to commit. I heard like just rumors that they were kind of surprised that he committed. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, you know, I'm excited that we're even talking about four star defensive players, you know, which (laughs) one can we choose from? So. I'm interested to see when an announcement will come and when that will play out and hopefully it works in Nebraska's favor. Um, and then, yeah, we can't really, you know, have a podcast recruiting podcast without talking about Malachi Coleman a little bit um, this week. I don't know how much you've followed his Twitter account. It's been pretty pro Oklahoma. Um, I, it looks like somebody that he, a friend or something, you know, just committed to the Sooners and uh, he's kind of been interacting with Caden green, you know, who was a Nebraska top target at one point. Um, he took an unofficial visit to Oklahoma, you know, in June, hasn't taken an official visit there yet. But, you know, if he if the Sooners get him on campus for an official visit sometime this fall, like what's your concern? What's your panic meter at like one to ten? Ten, because he has a lot of huge offers. And I always thought it was kind of a long shot, even with Mickey Joseph's to have Malachi Coleman, you know, stay home. Because, again, all those programs, Oklahoma, Georgia, Oregon, they have a recent track record of winning, and, you know, they have, you know, a proven track record to the NFL. And Nebraska doesn't have that yet. I think Coleman is going to officially announce on, I think it was October 15th, so I'll be interested to see how that announcement goes. I don't think... It's going to go in Nebraska's direction, but knowing Mickey Joseph, he will probably, you know, get that Louisiana pipeline going again and, you know, get some of those guys from that area because we have had success in the state of Louisiana 
just in the uh, 2023 class alone. So that is encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Nebraska's had momentum. I wish, you know, there was a way they could have closed the summer. I just, you know, it seemed like Malik, I always want to kind of wanted to take his time. He has that official visit set, you know, I think to go to USC. Um, and that worries me, you know, him as a wide receiver and link that Lincoln Riley offense. But that's why Nebraska's got to come out of the gates, you know, really kicking butt. You know, it's like if they beat Northwestern and, you know, that's, that Oklahoma game, I think, is a really – if they could find a way to win that game, I'd be feeling a lot better, you know, about Malachi Coleman and, you know, trying to keep him home at Nebraska. Because, I mean, they're, they're uh, Nebraska kids, you know, it's still – while Nebraska might not have the big, the big name nationally, you know, kids in Nebraska, it still means something, you know, to be a Cornhusker and Lincoln Memorial Stadium. But you still have to give the kid a reason to commit. You know, you have to give him a reason to say, like, this is going to be – the right fit for you for your NFL future and you can win here. And like, so if they start off one and four, I just, I, or two and three or any, anything like that, I just don't see it happening. And, you know, just speaking from a college perspective, a lot of kids don't want to stay home. They want to go off and, you know, have a new experience and have a change of scenery. So that could be a part of it too. I mean, Truthfully, even if we start winning, I don't see Malachi coming here, but I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope I'm wrong. And like you said, I think it will depend a lot on where Nebraska is record-wise by the time uh, his commitment day comes around. Yeah, and, you know, kids, that's the thing is, you know, kids make decisions for lots of different reasons. You know, C.J. Carr didn't go to Michigan, and, you know, he was Lloyd Carr's grandson, and he said he was never going to go. He just didn't want to do that. You know, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, think about the pressure – your dad was a national yeah. championship head coach. You know, I can understand wanting to go somewhere else and starting your own kind of, you know, legacy. So, you know, if Malachi does decide to go somewhere else, you know, we should still support him, but hopefully, you know, he'll go big red. Because truthfully, there's a lot of talent in the state of Nebraska uh, in the next couple of classes. So I'm really hoping Nebraska can kind of keep a lot of those kids in state. We are seeing it with the 2023 recruiting class and hopefully that good momentum will continue because I really do think there are some extremely talented kids in the, in the state. And now it's all about keeping as many as we can home because I truly believe there are quality players there. Now that we've got uh, some recruiting in here, I think it would be a great time to, we've got some mailbag questions this week, which is going to be kind of a segment we're building up. We kind of threw the mailbag out a little bit late last night. So we'll this next week before episode three, we'll make sure we get it out to you guys sooner, but we do have some uh, Twitter questions out there. Um, Do you still have those Danny? Yeah, let me pull them up real quick. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I do have one right here, and I'll start off. Uh, this one's from Greg, who interacts with us a lot on Twitter. Hey, Greg. Uh, he says, what positions are you concerned about, and which position got the best upgrade or improvement? Um, for me, the position I'm most concerned about is offensive line. Um, you know, I've been encouraged with the way that Donovan Rayola has been kind of leading practice. You know, there was a soundbite of him on Monday telling guys to – take his head off. So I love that aggression. I love, you know, the energy that he seems to bring. And so, you know, I think there is hope there, but we have to see it all, you know, be be put together over the course of a game because a quarterback can only be as good as his offensive line. And 
that's why I believe the offensive line has to have a big year because if they have a good year, then I can see this offense really performing at a high level. And then the second part of the question, which position got the best upgrade or improvement? It had to be the wide receivers for me, starting with the coach and Mickey Joseph. Uh, you know, we we kind of talked about it a little bit. He's He's strict. He demands the most out of his positional unit. And then, you know, the talent that we have now, Trey Palmer. I mean, you know, we've seen Omar Manning get good reviews from Joseph. And, you know, guys like that and, you know, a coach like Joseph is going to completely remake the wide receiver room. And I'll throw it over to you, Chris, on this one. Yeah, as far as the first question, you know, the biggest concern, I completely agree. It's offensive line right now. I think, you know, that's probably what every Nebraska fan is saying. But, you know, I don't know if it's me just like drinking the Kool-Aid. I feel cautiously optimistic about the offensive line. I think, you know, talent <clears throat> coaching is a huge thing. You know, you have seen that with the new England Patriots, you know, with, over the years with uh, their offensive line coach, Skarnecki, I think Dante Skarnecki, you know, he didn't always have a bunch of, mm-hmm. you know, first round draft picks, but you can coach up offensive line. And and that's the thing is Nebraska's got four star dudes, you know, and they've got talent. Um, they just have to get it to produce. I think Donovan Rayola is going to do that. I don't think that they're going to, you know, have, as many problems giving up sacks last year. That was one thing with Adrian Martinez too that drove me crazy. Is I thought he at times he just made poor decisions with the ball. He would hold onto the ball way too long. He wouldn't throw it away. He would always try to scramble and and sometimes that would work out, but sometimes that would you know turn into a 15 yard loss too. So in terms kind of going into the other question of the upgrade, I'm going to go with quarterback. And I think that not just you know adding a starter, but I think two starter caliber guys, you know, you added a lot of depth, which I think is really important, especially if your quarterback's getting hit a lot, you know, you might need some extra, you know, depth to get through the season. But I just think, you know, for Adrian Martinez has a ton of talent. You know, I, I do think he'll probably get Kansas state to a bowl game this year. You know, they've got Deuce Vaughn, so he doesn't have to do everything, but you know, Scott Frost, just, he, hitched his trailer to Adrian Martinez as a freshman. And that was the biggest mistake that he made as head coach of Nebraska football. After a couple of years, he should have realized he needed competition, but he just continued to, you know, invest in Adrian Martinez and Adrian Martinez just continued to turn the football over when it mattered to fumble, to not be an accurate passer. So I think getting somebody who can be reliable at quarterback and who can get the ball to wide receivers, you know, who have talent, um, to me, is the biggest upgrade. Although I, I do really like O'Shawn Mathis at edge too. Oh yeah, he's definitely a you know a high motor impact playmaking guy. Just to get to your point on hitching his trailer, you know, to Martinez, you know, putting all his eggs in one basket. I do think he kind of lived and died with Martinez a little bit too much. But there really wasn't a ton of tangible quarterback competition in the room. I mean, we saw Luke McCaffrey a little bit in 2020. You know, he wasn't the worst, but he wasn't the best. But I think development suffered as a result of Frost hitching his, you know, putting all his eggs in one basket with Martinez. And then I think also, I'll just say it right here, I don't think Mario Verduzco was that good. I think he honestly confused Martinez a little bit. He didn't know whether to run or pass at times. I think, you know, he, he they tried to make him a pocket passer, but he wasn't that. And then 
they probably figured that making him a pocket passer didn't work. So then they tried to, you know, get him to run a little bit more. He just looked confused at times. So, you know, I think it's going to be good to kind of have some, um, so, uh, a, uh, what do you call that? A, you know, a succinct message, a, a synchronized message at the, quarterback position yeah and i think you know he was talking about you know being in the red zone and how important it is to take care of the football and i thought one thing that mark whipple said you know is that basically football games are lost more than they're won and a lot of times it's by the quarterback and i think that's a perfect example of what happened at nebraska football the last few years you know there was numerous games where you know and, I, and I, it, it does it's a bummer to put on one guy and it wasn't all on him but that's unfortunately that's you as the quarterback and you know so hopefully you know Casey Thompson you know will be the the guy to kind of deliver this year um I do have a lot of more confidence in him I do have questions too you know it's not like he's Arch Manning or like Quinn Ewers or anything like that but mm. you know I do think mm. he is an accurate passer I think he's a guy that has some NFL potential and uh I think we got the best coach possible in Whipple to you know have him reach his full ceiling in Nebraska and Whipple's seen all levels of football. He was a coach in the NFL as an assistant at one point. So he's been around the block. He definitely has a little bit more experience than, say, a guy like, you know, Matt Lubick, for instance, who was the offensive coordinator, who is now a uh, special analyst at Kansas. So that makes me wonder how the heck he got so high up as a Nebraska um, offensive coordinator. But anyway, um, I do have confidence in, in Whipple and, you know, I think he will get this ship steered in the right direction. So do we have any more mailbag questions or are we going to move on to predictions? I'm trying to, trying to see, I don't think on my end we do. I think we put it out too late. So we're going to put out a tweet on Monday and we're going to ask you guys, uh, for your mailbag questions. This was an idea, the mailbag, that we kind of thought of late last night, so that's partly our fault. But, hey, you know what? This is what's great about this. You never know what to expect from us, even if it's late-night mailbag questions. Get one um, or another one, but it was basically the same question. You know, what's your biggest concern? I think it was, Are you, how, how concerned are you with the offensive line? So I think we covered one of the biggest topics that's on the mind of, you know, Nebraska fans right now is the offensive line because – you know, I said this last week, but when Nebraska's good, they've got to be good in the trenches, and that just has not been the case under Scott Frost. No matter what you want to say about him, you know, what they've done on the offensive line has not been up to snuff. And, you know, we talk about the passing game, pass protection, and all this too, but the running game. If your running backs can't get running lanes, then there is no, you know, getting to the second level or even getting past the first level. So while I do think it's important to teach the running backs to, you know, make sure to get past the first level, it's also important that the offensive line creates a running lane for them to allow them to, you know, not struggle with the first level because, you know, a good running lane can make things happen. And that's ultimately what they need, particularly in the red zone when talking about efficiency. Well, so our last kind of section for the show today here for episode two of the Husker Big Red podcast is we're going to talk some bold predictions for the 2022 season. And we did have, you know, a few Twitter users that kind of put out some bold predictions the other day. So we're going to talk about some of those and then we're going to put out um, some of our own bold predictions for this season. So first, we'll talk about 
some that we saw on Twitter and maybe, you know, we'll talk about how likely or unlikely um, we'll do give some over under. So first one, though, I saw that the first bold prediction was a Nebraska fan. I, I did, couldn't find the tweet, but their prediction was that Nebraska was going to go 15 and 0 this year, which would mean that they won the Big Ten <laughs> and won the college football playoff. So, Danny, I can tell from your face, you might not think it's that realistic, but on a scale of one to ten. With zero being, you know, no chance in hell and 10 absolutely happening. What What's your scale there? What's your rating? I'm going to have an absolutely cop-out answer here and say five. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, that's the great thing about college football. Who knows? You know, we have a good, easy start to the season for the first two games and then Oklahoma. And so who knows? I mean... At the very least, I just hope we can play in the winter months and have something to look forward to. 15-0, a little unrealistic, but you never know. I would love that, and it would make this team actually fun to cover. Let's be honest here. <laughs> maybe maybe Casey Thompson will uh, you know, find his inner Joe Burrow, and he'll be like a top 10 pick next year's draft after throwing for like 4,500 yards and <laughs> – Heisman Trophy winning Casey Thompson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's about the only way I foresee that, you know, situation playing out. But maybe maybe Mark Whipple really is the quarterback guru. I don't know. I would my scale though, I'm gonna I'm gonna give that a hard zero. I think that they, <laughs> I don't think there's a chance that Nebraska, even if they did win the Big Ten, if it was just winning the Big Ten, maybe, but I, I can't see Nebraska beating Georgia or like Alabama or Clemson if it if it came to that. But you never know. Like I said, maybe. And also, also don't forget that Nebraska can't have Scott Frost on the sidelines if they make any sort of like bowl because of those stupid sanctions about the stupid analyst who didn't help at all because clearly our special teams were garbage. But um, yeah, so the, those sanctions could prevent Nebraska from going 15 0. So thanks, Jonathan Rutledge. You did absolutely nothing except screw over Nebraska. It's funny that. You had extra special. How do you have extra special teams analysts and you get penalized for that? And you lose a goddamn game because your punter punts it to the complete wrong side of the field. Like I, I used to coach middle school yeah, football. Clearly, and that never happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly Jonathan Rutledge did not do his job, but he did manage to screw over Nebraska. So if I had to guess, there's no love loss between Nebraska and Rutledge there. Yeah. So how we touch on it a little bit, but legitimately that was one person said you know hey i think nebraska is going to be better than people think and they can win the big 10 west this year how on a, on the on the zero to ten scale how realistic do you think that is hmm again i'll say six because they have all the talent to do so right we go through this every single summer they have the talent on paper it's about execution i could definitely see it this year i mean now we have a group of coaches that, you know, can make sure things, you know, don't get out of hand. We have a strong group of coaches, so I could see it. I really could see it, but it's all about, you know, like you said, the Oklahoma game is kind of the big one that everybody's circling on their calendar. If they can beat Oklahoma and, you know, start the season off strong, you know, and a, a win over Oklahoma would do wonders for this program. And, you know, I could see them just kind of, rolling if that happens if they don't you know i could still see them getting on a nice little run it's not going to be easy but it's possible especially if you know all the talent that we've gotten you know 
works the way we think it's going to. Yeah. And, you know, if you beat Oklahoma, you get that confidence and confidence is a huge factor. You know, then you if you can beat Oklahoma, you can beat Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota. And that's really, you know, in Purdue, that's who Nebraska is competing with for the Big Ten West this year. Um, None of those programs, I don't think any of them are, you know, should even be ranked really in the top 15, you know, going into the season. Wisconsin's probably the best, but they're Wisconsin's just extremely consistent. They're not going to beat you with a bunch of talent. Um, Nebraska has as much talent as Nebraska or, or, I mean, as Iowa or Wisconsin. So, yeah, I would give it a solid five. I think, you know, it's not totally unrealistic to say that this team could break out and win the Big Ten West if everything comes together. Yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic at all. I mean, you know, I think Minnesota seems to be our kryptonite over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, to PJ Flex credit, he's doing a good job of, you know, building a program over there or at least keeping the program consistent, especially since that state is a hockey state. You know, let's be real here. So, I mean, Minnesota has always been a thorn in our side. And, you know, Iowa, can you imagine beating Iowa? That would be wonderful. That would be absolutely wonderful. That would, that would definitely make my Thanksgiving turkey go down a little easier. This year, it's going to... My leftovers, anyway. Yeah, the leftovers. It's going to happen. It will happen. We're going to speak it into existence this year. Um, <laughs> but... Because truthfully, we weren't that far... Like, we're not that far off. I mean, last year, we were in the game. Weren't we up at one point, and then our defense kind of collapsed? Yeah, and then... Led by... I think we led by 20, 11 going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah, and then... 2020 um and adrian martinez fumble late in the game on a drive that could have led to points that's not surprising but um yeah so we've been close we've been close but hopefully this is the year because you coaches say they don't think about rivalry games and this and that but you can bet scott frost and the coaching staff wants to beat iowa mickey knows what it means to you know beat iowa in the rivalry behind it bill bush knows all these coaches know what it would mean if Nebraska beat Iowa, so that would certainly be exciting. That would definitely. Uh, I think Scott Frost is sticking around. You know, if he beats Iowa this year. Um, so now we've got. You know, let's kind of finish off here with our bold predictions. Our last part of the show. Uh, we're we're each going to talk about our bold prediction for the season. Um, not necessarily the record or anything, but just kind of a bold take that we have for the 2022 Huskers. So I'll let you go first, Danny. What's your bold prediction for Nebraska in 2022? I said a 1,000-yard receiver, but I'm going to kind of shorten it down to a player prediction. I'm going to say that Omar Manning will have at least 500 receiving yards, and I don't think that's a bold prediction necessarily when you think that he had 384 yards last season. Um, He's a type of player that I think needs a solid coach and, you know, somebody to, you know, continue to encourage him and have him focused. And Mickey Joseph can do that. I think Omar Manning is finally going to reach that, you know, big time player potential that we have been waiting for. Because don't forget, he was the top rated junior college recruit just a couple of years ago. So the potential is there. And I could really see this being a breakout season for him. He's had a, you know, Mickey talked about it on Monday. He's been a guy that stood out in camp so far. So I'm curious to see what he can do. And I think at least 
600 yards for Manning this year. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's We'll see how all the receiving yardage kind of plays out, and it could be a 1,000-yard receiver. It might be tough with all the – you know, all the, you know, depth that receiver, but yeah, Omar Manning seems poised for a big year. Um, so that leads me to my bold prediction. And I'm going to go back to, you know, the pass rush that I've been talking about. You know, I had an article this week on huskerbigred.com about how the pass rush was going to be fierce. And, you know, you kind of talked about Caleb Tanner and Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis all being on the field at the same time. My bold prediction is that I believe that both Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis are going to get double-digit sacks. So basically, I think those two players are going to have more sacks in 2022 than the entire Nebraska football team had in 2021 when they ranked tied for 98th in sacks. So it's going to this year they're going to get way you know into the 30s, and that defense is going to get some turnovers and some takeaways, and that's going to help us get a winning record and get a bowl game or get back to a bowl game. Right, and we've we've talked about Mathis a lot over the first couple episodes, but Nelson and Tanner should not be forgotten, particularly Nelson. Uh, I watched him during the spring game, and you know, it was the the spring game was just more of what we always see from Nelson. He absolutely flies around the football. He's hungry for the ball. He never stops in his pursuit, and he's the type of player that can really be a cornerstone of a defense and I love the way he plays I love his energy I love that he's not afraid to get muddy and dirty and you know I love that he plays hard and has that motor and you know if I were to build a blueprint of a player that you know I want on a defense Garrett Nelson would be a guy that I would choose to mold my player after yeah Garrett Nelson's a guy that you want in your foxhole All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up episode two of the Husker Big Red podcast. Um, You know, you can find this podcast uh, on all the, you know, anywhere you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. Um, So make sure you follow us. Make sure you give us a rating. um, Give us some questions. Um, Episode three will be coming up next week. Um, You can find my content at huskerbigred.com. Um, and you can also check out Danny at the greatcornholio.org um, for all your Nebraska opinion and analysis. And uh, as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red. All right. We will see you next week.